the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the second hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Great to be with you this morning, as always, joining in to the program as we begin a new phase of conversations with the candidates, where we bring in candidates for office for a full hour deep dive into the issues of the day, their backgrounds, and more. And now we are focusing in on the Denver mayoral race, where at least until recently, it was like a football team's worth. Like you could have substituted. I don't know if we would have wanted to. They probably wouldn't have done any worse. If you would have substituted the offense and the defense of the Denver Broncos, that's about how many people were running for mayor at their height of candidates. A handful have dropped out. Uh, in recent weeks, of so, course. But, so man, we'll it continue. is fascinating to see what in the world is going on here in Denver with all these candidates that are running. We're beginning our conversations with the candidates, and I'm very pleased to have here in studio one of the very, very few Republicans who were running for mayor of Denver. Andy Rougeau is in studio kicking things off. Good morning, Andy. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time. First up on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show as we dive in to the Denver mayoral race, I'll ask you the first question I ask any candidate who comes on this program. Who is Andy Rougeau and why are you running for mayor of Denver, of all places? <laughs> so my name is Andy Rougeau. And I'm running for mayor of Denver because I love this city. I think it's the greatest city in the country. It's the city where I settled down after the Army. I was stationed down in Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. That's what brought me out to Colorado. And my then ex-girlfriend, now wife, convinced me to take a job, to move up to Denver after I did a deployment to Afghanistan when I was attached to the Rangers. After the Army, I went and got my MBA from Harvard, came back, took over a small business fixing gates for self-storage units, the type of business where at the end of the day I'd be covered in grease and sweat, and my wife wouldn't let me hug her until I'd taken a shower. It's also the city where I'm raising two daughters. I've got a almost three-year-old and a six-month-old. So it's a city that's given me that chance to build a family, to build a business, to really put down roots. And I think our mayor and our city council have failed our city. They've made it so my kids won't have that opportunity. They've failed our city on crime, homelessness, and the cost of housing. There's some horrible statistics on crime. We can talk about nearly tripling of murders over the past 10 years. We can talk about being one of the car theft capitals of the country. But what speaks to me as a dad is there was a father and a daughter driving home down I-25 South. And the dad looks in his rearview mirror, and he sees two cars just zooming 40 miles per hour over the speed limit. His driver's side windshield and his windshield shatter into glass. These were street racers shooting at each other at our city right by a mile high in the middle of the day in our city. That's unacceptable. We need to add 400 police officers to our city. We need to make sure that we're funding them properly so they can be trained. We need to be getting illegal guns off our streets to be making our city safer. Homelessness is also out of control. We've seen a doubling on sheltered homelessness in the past four years. My, we live in the Highlands. We've got a beautiful park behind the house. And I'll take my daughter, 
who loves the swings. So as soon as we go outside, the, just the smile lights up on her face. I'll have her in my arms, walk out our back gate to this park, and we'll see a man with his pants around his ankles using his restroom. And other people running for mayor will tell me the compassionate thing to do is to let that person do that. The compassionate thing to do is to let someone stay in a tent on our, on our streets. But that is not the compassionate thing to do. The compassionate thing to do is enforce our camping ban to get these people into the services they need for mental health or drug addiction. Mm. You're twice as likely to die if you're unsheltered versus sheltered in our city. Finally, people can't afford a home in our city. My employees, blue-collar workers, but sole providers for their families, people made 30 to $40 an hour, had to commute in from 45 minutes to an hour out of our city to work every day. It meant they couldn't drop their kids off at school. It meant they were spending that time away from their families. And we've had government regulations that are making it difficult to build. We have a permit department that's broken, that's keeping us from building more housing. So we deserve a mayor who will fight for our future and actually reduce crime, homelessness, and the cost of housing in our city. Mm. Andy Rougeau, uh, before we get into more into depth on those issues of policy, uh, a little bit more on, on your background, tell us about your military background. And then also, uh, I like this, as a millennial myself, you are a millennial, and we're seeing the rise in millennial leaders in Colorado and across the country. How about that generational aspect in in the sense of bringing something um, from the millennial generation, if you will, into a government or the next generation of leaders? So that's a great question, but I feel like an old man in a young man's body Me too. sometimes. I, I always so have. It's I've been doing where, talk radio for over 10 years, so yeah, I know what you mean. And the military ages you. So something yes. where you, know, you are a 22-year-old and you're standing in front of a formation of 28 soldiers and saying, here's what we're going to go do and potentially send yeah. people into combat, mm. that is an experience that is much more mature than sometimes the average 22-year-old is doing. But it's yeah. something where I think it is a unique experience. I think it's an experience that we need in government. We need a mayor who can say, we've made hard decisions before. We need a mayor with business experience. We don't need another mayor who's just a, a politician for 30 years, a mayor who's been a lobbyist, a mayor who's part of the corruption that we're seeing in the broader city government. We need someone from the outside. So uh, talk to us a little bit more about your military background. Yeah, so I was commissioned through Officer Candidate School, which is the non-ROTC or non-West Point route. Then was commissioned as a military intelligence officer, did some training down in Arizona, and came out as a assistant intelligence officer to a cavalry squadron in Colorado Springs and did a deployment to Afghanistan attached with the Rangers. We're pre preventing large suicide bomb attacks against Kabul, something I'm really proud of. It was a really meaningful experience. And came back, and I ran a drum platoon for a year down in Colorado Springs. Andy Rougeau, our guest, candidate for mayor of Denver. Let me ask you this question that combines your background and what we're seeing as the issues. What is it about your experience that you think uniquely makes you qualified to be mayor of Denver, and especially at this pivotal moment with all the issues that we're facing? When we are seeing skyrocketing homelessness and skyrocketing crime, we need a mayor who can say, I have gotten things done. I have been accountable for a payroll, been accountable for soldiers in combat, been accountable for my kids. And that is something the other candidates for mayor can say that they've been politicians. They've made promises before, not delivered. But we deserve a mayor who has a history of delivering, who has a history of saying, this is a hard problem. Let's go tackle it.
and not saying, how can I point a finger at somebody else? Of course, there's nearly 20 candidates running for mayor. There are some people with business backgrounds uh, who have who have run companies of their own. There are politicians who've been around the block a lot as far as politics and so forth. We can notice a big difference, and we'll get to the Fair Elections Fund in a bit because that ties into this, in the ability for candidates who have been around the block to garner support and raise donations because they've had those political connections and political experience quite a bit versus those candidates who um, are upstarts who don't have that kind of background, may not have that notoriety or those sorts of connections who have decided to run for mayor. And there's a diversity um, uh, who, who are running. And I bring that up because it's an interesting little tidbit into the backgrounds of the candidates and what you bring to the table. So when you have people who've run small businesses before, you have people who are politicians, um, you have people with with those kinds of different backgrounds, um, that gives a lot for people to consider. So what is it, though, that, that you, from your military background and from your business experience, that you do bring to the table specifically? What are the, say, the, the points of experience or the points of expertise that you think make you the standout? Yes. So if you've led a military unit in combat, if you've led a small business of blue-collar workers, you have led an organization. And that is very different from saying I was, you know, the head lobbyist in charge of something. That's very different from saying I we ran a one person, you know, shop. That's actual leadership experience that we need in the mayor's office because that is a large organization of you know largely blue collar workers who are providing the day to day services. Mm. So when we see the failures to clean our streets, we see the failures to pick up the trash, we see the failures to keep our streets safe. That is a failure of executive management. And we, you know, right now we're looking at what is our mayor doing? And our mayor is taking $100,000 of taxpayer money to fly to Egypt, supposedly for business development, but maybe he just wants to go see the pyramids. And that is an example of politicians wasting money in our city instead of focusing on doing their job of actually running this. How do you – let's talk about that because this is striking. The story, of course, $107,567.56 is the expected total cost for the mayor's trip as part of a delegation to Africa with the Denver International Airport. Uh, It's funded in large part by the Enterprise Fund, over $88,000 worth. So about, I think, $15,000 or so is what we're looking at, or $18,000, somewhere between 15 and 20, that is being funded by the city of Denver. Now, let's say an opportunity comes up to travel to other parts of the globe to foster business relationships especially for a pivotal airport. I mean, DIA, I saw a presentation for the South Metro Denver Chamber of Commerce a week or two ago about DIA, and it is the third most trafficked airport now in the entire world. And it is an international airport, and it is a significant hub. So how would you approach those kinds of trips, especially given your criticism of Mayor Hancock? So I would pay for my own tickets. I think it's ridiculous that we have a mayor who's flying first class and is being paid for by the taxpayer. We had a mayor similar to this trip. He went to England when the Broncos happened to be playing in England, supposedly for business development. But again, you know, if you're going to get free Broncos tickets, I understand why he's going. That is unexcusable, though, for a politician. This is not someone who's deciding to fly on their own dime to go see the pyramids of Egypt. This is someone who's abusing taxpayer funds. I, as mayor, I will not abuse taxpayer funds. As mayor, I will pay for my own tickets on the plane if we're going to go somewhere. I'm going to pay for my own hotels. I think it is 
you know, corruption, plain and simple. And people acting like that's the normal. We'll, we'll talk about the fair election funds in a little bit. But using the government money as just a kitty purse for their own personal expenditures is embarrassing. Yeah. Um, when when you look at fostering those kinds of relationships, let's talk about the economic side of things because it dovetails directly into this. How do you believe the mayor of Denver should approach economic development and growing the economy, growing businesses, growing things like the airport as significant as it is and as a, as a vehicle for attracting businesses to come to the city of Denver? So when you talk to business owners downtown, including ones who are leaving downtown, they say the number one issue is safety. The issue is not, hey, we need this tax credit. The issue is saying, how can I make sure my employees, when they walk out at night, feel safe going in their car? So that's why we need a mayor who will add those 400 police officers who will enforce our camping ban to make our streets safe. And that will turbocharge business downtown. If we don't do that, there's no amount of money we can throw at the problem that will solve the issue. Andy Rougeau, candidate for governor, joining us here in studio. Four hundred for, for uh, candidate for mayor. Uh, there you go. Last year, I was interviewing all these people for governor and all these. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was a little Freudian. I'm getting ahead of myself on that one. Some people who've run for mayor have run for governor or senator before. Um, when you're running for mayor and you're looking at issues of public safety, and you're specifically talking about 400 police officers hiring them right now, it's. It's one of the worst jobs I could imagine to run a police office or to be a police officer, whether you're talking about a leader in the force or rank and file. How do you attract those 400 officers? What will incentivize them to come into Denver in this environment, and especially given the failure to support law enforcement that we have seen in the past few years? Yeah. So I've talked to former chiefs. The officers have left the force, and they tell me the issue is not a pay issue. The issue is not their wage rate. The issue is that they have a mayor who will not support them. They are worried that they will get thrown under the bus repeatedly again and again and again. So for us to have enough police officers to keep our city safe, we need to make sure that we have a mayor who says, this job is critical. This job is keeping our city safe. We support you, our police officers, and that's going to allow us to get those 400 additional police officers we need to keep our city safe. So when you talk about enforcing laws, when you talk about bringing folks onto the force, when you talk about enforcing laws, what are some of the keys to accomplishing the objective? You just laid a little bit of the framework. How do you get from point A, where we are now, where crime is at record highs in so many areas, to ideally a point B, maybe it's more C or D, and you need to take some steps along the way, where it is a safe city? Yes. So we're looking at, first, we have to arrest more criminals. So that is the adding 400 police officers. It's having a 911 system that's fully funded so you don't sit and wait on hold when you call. Secondly, it's making sure we're actually prosecuting those criminals. So having a mayor, unlike our current one, who will hold our DA accountable. So when we're not prosecuting career car thieves, when we're not pr- prosecuting domestic violence uh, people who commit domestic violence, we're not prosecuting violent criminals, we have to have a mayor who says, these people need to be in jail. These people should not be released on personal reconnaissance bonds. And right now, our mayor and our city council, and I think the other candidates running for mayor, are trying to say, how can we be as unaccountable as possible to the city of Denver for our security, for our safety? So we deserve a mayor who actually fight for our future by adding those police officers, by properly funding our 911 system, and by holding our DA accountable. Now, to what extent is it necessary for the mayor to go to the Golden Dome and lobby Uh, so to speak, the legislators to pass bills that will, for example, 
they're trying to tighten up some of the loosening that they've done of laws regarding auto theft, something near and dear to my heart as a three-time victim of auto theft in the last three years. Uh, how would you approach the legislative side to this in the state capitol? Yeah, I would work with all the other great mayors we have throughout our our state, including our mayor down in Colorado Springs, our mayor in Aurora, who have highlighted again and again the failure of the state legislator to have laws that are are the key to actually keeping our cities and our state safe. That's something where if we don't solve on the city level having enough police officers, if we don't solve on the city level having a DA who will actually prosecute crimes, solving just at the state legislative level won't be enough. To what extent is it important to just have someone who will publicly support law enforcement? Critical. And it's it's mind-blowing that I am the only candidate who's saying that. Andy Rougeau, our guest, joining us here in studio. He's a Republican candidate for mayor and the first in our series of conversations with the candidates. And we will be asking others about crime and homelessness. We'll get to homelessness coming up. We'll get to the Fair Elections Fund. We'll get to a variety of issues on the other side. We're just getting started with Andy here in studio. You're listening to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show right here on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Talking about a big city and, in so many ways, the decaying and decayed state of that big city known as Denver, Colorado. Jimmy Sangenberger's show every Saturday na- uh, Saturday morning from 6 to 9, News Talk 710 KNUS. We have in studio candidate for mayor of Denver, Andy Rougeau. And Andy, we were just talking about crime. One of the things that ties in with the crime discussion, but also just in general concerns of a public safety uh, in a variety of different ways is homelessness and the homeless encampments in particular that we are seeing. What do you think about this issue, big picture? And then how about enforcing the homeless sweeps and continuing that, taking these various actions that many believe are necessary in order to clean up the streets of Denver? So the critical tool is the camping ban because that is a tool that we use to get people into the mental health and drug addiction services they need. So that's why I promise as mayor we will aggressively enforce the camping ban to end unsheltered homelessness in our city. And when it comes to enforcing the camping ban, how do you approach that in a way that's humanitarian? I mean, look, the, the reality is that there are so many people who are either down on their luck, but a lot of times when you're talking about encampments, they may have drug issues or other uh, various concerns of, of that nature. And people are often worried about what the impact is if you're just picking them up and moving them. That's why we don't just pick them up and move them. Mm. That's why we pick them up and we bring them to the shelter. And we, walk, we watch them walk in the front door, which is how the camping ban was originally envisioned and originally enforced. That's the difference between me and our current mayor. Our current mayor wants to intermittently use sweeps whenever it's politically inconvenient instead of aggressively and consistently enforcing the camping ban to get people actually into services, to get them to walk into the door of Denver Rescue Mission, because that's the compassionate thing to do. If it was someone like my daughter who was suffering from a horrible addiction, I would not want someone to step over her and say they're being compassionate. I would want someone to grab her hand and say, how do we get you back in contact with your family? How do we get you into mental health or drug addiction services? And that's why we need to enforce our camping ban. Now, when it comes to the broader issue of homelessness, how do you approach that? I mean, there are so many people who have been struggling because of the economic situation and so forth. So when you're looking at the bigger picture, what else comes into mind? 
So homelessness is a big universe, mm-hmm. but the homelessness problem in the city of Denver is a smaller universe of unsheltered homeless. And that population is overwhelmingly driven by mental health or drug addiction issues. So the root cause of those problems are problems that can be solved by a city government. We are very good, actually, as a city on saying if someone's, say, escaping a, a husband who is abusive, that is a money problem. That's saying, how do we get you into somewhere safe to stay? How do we get you in connection with legal services? How do we get a restraining order? We are good at that as a city. What we are very bad at is someone who's addicted to fentanyl, is sleeping on the Millennium Bridge, and yells horrific things at people passing by. And that person needs to have the camping ban enforced so they can get the help they need, so they can reconnect with their family, so that son can talk to his parents for the first time in four years. Can't talk about homelessness, Andy Rougeau, without also talking about housing affordability. I mean, it is – my dad's a realtor in the Denver metro area. It is – outrageous that the growth that we've seen now the inflation of homes is certainly leveled off of late but nevertheless whether you're looking for an apartment or a or a new house or uh moving into to something that isn't a new construction the cost of living is very expensive the cost of housing very expensive what's your thought on how to approach affordable housing yeah, so housing is unaffordable in our city for first-time home buyers, young families, blue-collar workers. And that's why we need a mayor who will actually fight for our future by building more affordable housing. And one area we can fix is a permitting department that's broken. We have a permitting department that has horrific backlogs. So just not doing its job because it's not working in person, because it is not properly staffed. We also have regulation after regulation after regulation, which make it more expensive to build housing in the first place. For example, on heights of ADUs, on parking minimums. All this adds to the cost of building that house to the point where the only thing that pencils in is luxury development high-rise. So that's what we're getting. We're not getting new multifamily homes for blue-collar workers. We're not getting single-family homes for first-time home buyers. Oh, and, and now you have this uh, licensing requirement for apartment buildings, which is one of several additional costs to uh, construction of additional apartments for people who are not in a position to buy a home. Great. It's just government is saying, how hard can we make it to build a house? And then being surprised when there's not enough affordable housing. So that's why we deserve a mayor who will cut through that, who can use his business experience to say, is this actually adding value? Is this keeping people safer? Or is this just a city bureaucrat saying, I can show how smart I am? And look, as someone who pulled many permits from the city, the process is brutal. It's just a pure added cost for no added benefit. So it's something that we can fix. And then as mayor, I will make sure I'm fighting for our future by building that more affordable housing. Andy Rougeau, candidate for mayor, Republican running for the post, and one of a handful of candidates who is not participating in Denver's Fair Elections Fund, which is this nine-to-one match. I wrote a column a couple weeks ago about this Denver's Fair Elections Fund gives false hope, where if a candidate participates in this, they agree to certain limits on campaign donations. I think like $500 is the max that you can raise, if I recall correctly, from anybody. But any donation that is up to $50 gets matched 9 to 1. So a $50 donation can net a participating candidate $350 additional dollars, making it worth 400 They're just injecting, I think, an additional million dollars out there into candidates coffers for those who are participating in this you are not participating in the fair elections fund yet you are one of the top three uh, fundraisers in the state with or without the fair or in the uh, city with or without the fair elections fund why are you not participating in this and what's your take on taxpayer dollars and campaigns so i'm proud i'm the only major candidate who's not participating in the fair election fund that is taking dollars 
out of taxpayers' wallets and contributing it to either mayoral or city council candidates and putting it in their pockets. We are seeing mayor, we're seeing candidates who are taking those taxpayer dollars and spending it on family members. We're seeing candidates who are taking those taxpayer dollars and giving us contributions to state political parties. We're seeing candidates who are taking those taxpayer dollars, spending at liquor stores, at cannabis-themed event spaces. That is unacceptable. That is part of the corruption we were talking about earlier of Mayor Hancock flying on expensive trips for personal reasons. This is people, politicians, who think that taxpayer dollars are their own dollars they can be stick in their wallets. And that is unacceptable. I am running for mayor so we can clean up City Hall and we can have someone there who won't be corrupt, who won't be bought, who won't be taking advantage of the taxpayers to line their own pockets. One of the most egregious instances of this, uh, in my assessment, is Leslie Harrod, candidate for mayor, who has spent $13,000 hiring an attorney named Mario Nicholas, um, in part at least, to go after a small citizens group in a campaign finance complaint. And... That's a, a heck of a lot of money, $13,000 to be paying in legal bills to go after a, a small citizen's group. Uh, what is your take on that? And how do you approach the idea of grassroots citizens, residents of Denver coming together and wanting to make their voices heard and then balancing issues of, and I know it's more that it's the county clerk that handles this, but balancing issues of, of campaign finance and what have you and following the law, but also recognizing there are people who are just their neighbors concerned about their neighbors and their fellow business owners. Yeah, so that is a great group of, I think, safe and sound Denver, if I remember correctly. Clean. Safe, and safe, clean safe, safe and clean Denver. Mm-hmm. That's highlighting some of the issues we're facing with homelessness, with crime. They're big proponents of enforcing the camping ban. And I think it's sad to see taxpayer dollars being used trying to silence them. It's sad seeing a prominent mayoral candidate decide that she is going to put major effort into you know, destroying a group that's just trying to say, hey, we want our streets safe. But I think it's part and parcel with all these mayor candidates who are saying, how do we take, and city council candidates are saying, how do we take this money and either line our pockets or use it for our advantage instead of actually trying to help the city of Denver itself. And, of course, I, I will ask and speak with other candidates about the Fair Elections Fund who are taking funds, and we can understand what their thinking is behind the Fair Elections Fund. Here's the theory, though, of course, Andy Ruscio, and it is if we can lessen the influence of big money dollars in politics, then that's better. Much of your campaign donations comes from yourself. You've been able to, to uh, put your own money from your small business background and so forth into your campaign. And so there are people who are like, well, we can't do that. So the Fair Elections Fund provides us with that opportunity. Do you think that is bearing out so far when you look at the fundraising numbers from your competitors? So what I'm seeing when I'm looking at those numbers, is I'm seeing corrupt politicians go through their old decks and say, who have I done favors for? So who can I call on a donation for? And instead of asking them for an $1,000 donation, they're asking them for a $50 donation, which then gets matched. Nine to one, so by 450 bucks from the taxpayer for that $50 donation. I think it's unacceptable, and I think it is pretty clear that that system is being abused. That system is not what the citizens of Denver thought it was going to be when they approved it, and it's something where I would be ashamed if I was a candidate who was taking those taxpayer dollars and putting it into my own pockets. Again, Andy Rougeau, Republican candidate for governor. We just got a uh, – for, for mayor. I keep saying governor, whatever, because he's a Republican. Whenever I had, like, Heidi Ganahl on, it was a Republican candidate for governor, and then it just flows. There aren't many – in fact, this was the next question I was going to ask you. We haven't had a Republican mayor in Denver since 1961. That's the last time a mayor who was a Republican left office. 
How can a Republican win in Denver? What would be your pathway forward? So when I talk to the people of Denver, they are just fed up with the status quo. They say, we need someone who will actually make our streets safer. We need someone who will actually build more housing. We need someone who will actually solve the homeless problem. And when they see a bunch of candidates who are career politicians who have gotten us in this mess in the first place say, we will do more of the same and that will fix the problem versus seeing a candidate who says, I've been a small business owner. I'm a veteran. I'm a father. I can solve these issues by enforcing the camping ban, by adding 400 police officers and building more housing. People say, I will go with that person regardless of their political background. And the process, how it works, of course, in Denver is you will almost inevitably have a runoff, especially with this many candidates. And so the first step is to be one of those, I think it would be two candidates, most likely, who end up in a runoff. Yeah, two candidates. And and so your strategy would be get to there and then make the 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 case to Denver that of those two, whoever they are, you are the the candidate. That's how it works, right, in Denver? Yeah, so there's an initial election at the beginning of April, and there's a runoff roughly two months later. Mm-hmm. So we are confident that we'll be able to highlight that I'm the only candidate who can fight for our future by enforcing the camping ban, by adding 400 police officers, and by building more affordable housing. And I think that's true regardless of who I'm facing. Is there an issue we have another chance to touch on, because I know we got to let you go, that you would like to speak on before we let you go? I just want to reinforce that the importance of having a candidate who will make our streets safer will add those former police officers, who won't force the campaign. Because those those are the things that impact us day to day. Those are the things when my immediate next door neighbor has his house broken into on Christmas Eve and has to huddle with his family on hold with 911, worried about what is going to happen. That memory that's going to be stuck with that family the rest of their life every Christmas Eve going forward. And that's why we need a mayor who will actually fight for our future and solve these issues. Andy Rougeau, where can folks go to learn more about you and your campaign? So please go to andyfordenver.com to learn more. We'd love your support. We'd also love your votes coming up in the beginning of April. That's a very difficult website. I'm not going to be able to remember. Andyfordenver.com. That's complicated. (laughs) Andy Rougeau, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate your time and coming in studio. Thank you. The first in our conversations with the candidates as we have other mayoral candidates. Just to be clear, Andy is not running for governor of Colorado. He's running for mayor of Denver. And I am looking forward to having other candidates here in studio and getting their thoughts, whether we agree or disagree on issues. It is important to hear what they have to say. And very pleased to have Andy kick things off this morning. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more. What are your thoughts on our conversation with Andy Rougeau? What's top of mind for you as you're looking at the city of Denver and what's to come with this mayoral race? 303-696-1971, our telephone number. You can text into the show on the 710K and US app on your smartphone as well. Keep it right here. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk, 710K and US. We're racking them up on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We'll be talking with more candidates for mayor, not governor. There ain't no governor race going on right now. (laughs) Run for mayor as we get rolling now on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710 KNUS. By the way, great Johnny Lang tune. Rack them up as we move ahead. We will be speaking with Kwame Spearman, who is the owner of the Tattered Cover, coming up next Saturday. He's running for mayor of Denver. We will also speak on February 25th with Mike Johnston, former Colorado state senator, vying to be Denver's next mayor, and we'll be adding other candidates 
to the list as well. So be sure to tune in 7 o'clock hour as we have conversations with the candidates most weekends here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, where they will join us here in studio. few texts coming in, and what are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Real quick, I appreciate uh, Andy coming in. He certainly has a very interesting perspective. He is one of the few Republican candidates for governor and of those who have the higher levels in in donations and fundraising numbers and so forth. He is the one Republican who is running for mayor. There is an interesting question. We have not had a Republican mayor in Denver since 1961. So how viable is that? Well, when you have a not quite now a football team's worth of candidates, that certainly does Leave more of a lane for an Andy Rougeau when you're looking politically at this situation. But we'll have to see how that actually bears out. Uh, one of the interesting things when we talk about the Fair Elections Fund, and I don't like it. I think that we shouldn't have a program in any city in Colorado where you provide uh, public taxpayer dollars for a matching program. But frankly... You know, Andy's able to run his campaign and pretty easily say, I'm not going to participate in the Fair Elections Fund. For most candidates, kind of have to be, uh, you're not really thinking very much if you're not participating in the program and you want to be one of those high dollar candidates because of that matching program. However, it also has an incentive for a lot of people to jump into the race because there are candidates who have come in running for mayor thinking, oh, I'm going to it's going to be a game changer. I'm going to get a lot of money from the Fair Elections Fund in this matching program. And it has not borne out very well for most of the candidates running for mayor and same with other positions for city council and so forth. Hasn't been incredibly lucrative for many of the candidates. And then there are some for whom it has been. And it makes sense that you would participate in a program like that when the money's out there. So I, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting talking with candidates about the Fair Elections Fund who are actually participating in the Fair Elections Fund and probably have fair, reasonable reasons for doing so. We'll talk with them coming up in the following weeks. Listener text, Andy seems like a great guy. I live in the foothills and would love to see a change in the city of Denver. Sherry. All right. Thanks for the text, Sherry. Here's one I wish I could have gotten to. I came in just as we were ending our conversation with Andy Rougeau. Listener text. Good one. Andy, cracking down on crime involves more than just being tough on crime. It's also ensuring the most marginalized citizens in our community don't become a product of the criminal justice system, as is so often the case. Some young people simply trying to make ends meet, who often make mistakes in the throes of youth and almost inescapable poverty, deserve more than just incarceration. So my question is, how would you address the lack of upward mobility in the communities who need it most? I think there are some very good points there. When you begin your life in poverty or in more marginalized communities, you can find yourself more likely to end up in the criminal justice system. That is the reality 
of the situation. So upward mobility certainly helps in that regard. And it's important to think about, okay, what can you do? And I do think Andy touched on a few things in terms of affordable housing, in terms of providing safer communities. If you have a safer community where you can live, work, and play in Denver, then you are going to be able to to grow and improve and build up your life. It's harder to have that mobility if, say, you're in Denver Public Schools and you are subjected to the horrifying violence that we are increasingly seeing in DPS. It seems like I'm hearing about searches for guns and different things on campuses all the time. And the gang violence is just next level in schools. And if you have those concerns, then that can interfere It does interfere with upward mobility, with the potential for you to get a good education that can then help you improve your life, be more prosperous, have greater opportunities. So safe schools is part and parcel of that. Making sure that you are able to live your life without fear that you might not come home because of the violence or you might be intimidated by somebody who's in a gang or what have you. That's not small. That is an important thing. And it is critical that we see That aspect of this. But there's also the general sense of the economy and how you can boost the economic opportunity for those in our communities who are most marginalized, who are the lowest on the income spectrum, so on and so forth. So uh, a great question there. Also had a question coming in about what his relationship would be with uh, Beth McCann, the district attorney. Uh, who has been, in many respects, softer on on crime and a variety of different issues. I have much to criticize about uh, Beth McCann, but what kind of relationship would he have as mayor of Denver? It's a a very good and important question, to be sure, especially given the significant role. (laughs) I mean, a massive role. They're the ones who prosecute criminals um, and prosecute suspects of crimes. They decide whether or not to charge somebody with a crime and so on and so forth. So that relationship certainly is a very important piece to all of this. There are so many issues that we could get into and who knows what directions we will take as well with other candidates as we get rolling with additional interviews. Again, Kwambe Spearman joining us in studio next Saturday morning and on the 25th we'll have former State Senator Mike Johnson, also running for mayor, joining us here on the program. So be sure to tune in then. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we do have two great guests coming on. Sonia Riggs from the Colorado Restaurant Association and former military intelligence contractor Keith Nobles joining us. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, 710 KNUS. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.